Chapter 14 of Dave Dashaway Around the World by Roy Rockwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 14 The Tramp Monoplane. Instantly, Hiram leaped from the machine, Elmer following him. The woman had waded to a rocky reef coming out of the water. There she had sunk, throwing her apron over her head and clasping her babe close to her breast. She had not seen the airship. In fact, it was all the boys could do to keep their eyes clear from smoke and cinders. Hiram ran straight out into the water. "'Get up, lady! Quick!' he cried, touching her arm. "'We have come to get you out of here!' The woman shrieked in alarm, but dropped the covering from her face. Her brain was reeling, it seemed, and her senses were benumbed by all the strange happenings about her. "'Help me, Elmer!' directed Hiram, and together they drew her out of the water and led her up to the biplane. She stared at it blankly. "'I... I don't understand,' she said, and swayed in a lost manner, as if she was about to swoon. "'Get her in! Quick!' ordered Dave, with a glance ahead of them, as a rain of sparks flew over and passed the machine. The woman was now almost passive in the hands of her helpers. They got her into the seat Elmer usually occupied, while he climbed over into the space to its rear." Hiram got aboard, then the comet shot up into the air. The woman turned pale and shrank back. She clung to her little child and stared wildly about her. "'Don't be afraid, lady,' spoke Hiram soothingly. "'It's all right. There is no one else around here, is there?' "'Not a soul,' gasped the woman faintly. "'I was alone, all alone.' she continued in a dreary tone. Oh, it was awful, awful. I feared I would never see my husband again. May I ask where he is? pressed Hiram. He went to Doubleday to get some winter supplies, explained the woman. It takes three days. I hope he got there safely. The pilot of the comet and Elmer were able to hear all that was said as their comrade patiently drew out her story. The burned cabin was the only habitation in the wilderness district. "'How far away is this double day?' inquired Hiram. "'It is about a hundred miles,' she explained. "'Nearly south of here. There is a sort of trail to follow through the valleys, but... I guess it is all burned over. Of course we will take the lady to Doubleday, Dave, suggested Hiram. Yes, we must do that, replied the young airman. Twenty miles covered, the comet passed the extreme southern limit of the fire. There was a full moon, and as darkness came on, Dave was able to still keep track of the landscape. It was not quite nine o'clock in the evening when some scattering landlights showed in the distance. "'That must be Doubleday,' spoke Hiram. "'I think it is,' said the woman. "'I have been there only once or twice with my husband.' 
That little cluster of lights, I think, is the town tavern. It was in the center of a vacant square back of this rambling old frontier building that Dave brought the comet to a halt. He left Hiram and Elmer with the machine. The woman took leave of them with grateful tears in her eyes. I hope my husband has not started back for home, she said anxiously. I hope he wasn't caught in the fire. When they got around to the front of the inn, Dave inquired for her of the landlord as to her husband. Abel Lyme, she said his name was. The tavern keeper said that he was stopping there but was probably just then at the general store. His wife was so anxious she could not wait for his return. The young airmen wished to secure some supplies to make up for what they had been obliged to throw out of the comet. Both went over to the store. It took Dave half an hour to get through with his business, ordering the goods he bought sent at once up to the tavern. It took him half an hour longer to get rid of the husband of the woman they had rescued. The grateful fellow, poor as he was, paid hardly any attention to the loss of his home. He was so thankful that the lives of his wife and child were saved, so overcome with admiration of the daring exploit of Dave and his comrades, that he overwhelmed the young aviator with offers of reward clear down to his last dollar. On his return to the inn, Dave found his faithful assistants guarding the biplane and waiting for orders. "'What's the program?' inquired Hiram briskly, but stretching himself as if a good nap would not be unwelcome. "'It's a fine night for traveling, remarked the pilot of the comet. "'But it has been a rather hard day for us. "'Every hour counts, of course, but I think we may all do the better work for a little rest.' Three or four hours sleep will make us fresh for a non-stop moonlight run about midnight. That haymow over there strikes my fancy, announced Elmer. All right, replied our hero. Take your turn. You too, Hiram. I'll stay on guard duty till you spell me. I expect some supplies from the general store here. I reckon they're coming now, said Hiram. I'll stay and help you get them aboard. A man with a loaded pushcart came into view from the front of the tavern. He was noticed by the landlord, who talked with him, and then kept up with him until they neared the two young aviators. "'Why!' exclaimed the tavern-keeper, with a stare at the comet. "'Came back, did you?' "'Eh?' spoke Hiram. "'Came back from where?' warned Dave, in an instant, making a broad guess, at least canvassing a quick suspicion that came into his mind. Then he addressed the landlord with the words, "'We need some store supplies and will be very much obliged if you will allow us to anchor here for a few hours.' "'Sure, sure,' answered the man readily. "'This is an airship really and true, isn't it now?' and the speaker walked clear around the machine inspecting it in open-mouthed wonder well well what a contrivance i've seen pictures of these affairs that's how i knew what it was when you flew over the town just after dusk hmm whispered hiram nudging his companion secretly 
I see. Dave saw, too. An airship had sailed over a few hours previous. As the young aviator well knew, it was not the comet. Naturally, it might be some one of the other contestants in the great race around the world. Thinking of his enemies, however, Dave was wise enough to remain wary until he was sure of the identity of the machine referred to by the innkeeper. "'Where's the man that came here about an hour ago?' questioned the landlord, looking over the young airman and beyond them. Dave gave his hand a vague swing westward and skyward. "'Yes,' nodded the man. "'I saw you go that way.' "'Landed on Lookout Hill, didn't you? "'The man who came here to have his bottle filled said so. "'He asked me if I had seen any other airships around here. "'Here's a good many of you for such a light little machine as that of yours.' "'The young airman let the landlord do most of the talking, replying evasively. "'Some others, attracted by curiosity, approached the spot. "'It was getting late, however.' and nobody stayed long. "'Let's see, where is Lookout Hill from here?' Dave asked carelessly of the man with a pushcart after the innkeeper had gone away. "'That's it,' said the man, pointing. "'Where someone's got a campfire, it looks. See? Right through the trees yonder, beyond the creek.' "'Oh, yes,' replied Dave. "'Here's a dollar for getting here so promptly with those goods and helping us.' "'Now then, Hiram,' said our hero, as the supplies were placed in the biplane and they found themselves alone, "'it is you and I for a council of war.' "'I understand,' nodded his lively assistant. "'You mean about the other airship?' "'Just that. One arrived here tonight, as you know. "'The landlord mistook our machine for the one he saw.' "'Yes.' and spoke of a man who came here later from the machine that passed over the town, added Dave. That light the other fellow showed us is probably the campfire at the landing place of the airship. I am going to find out who is in charge of it, friend or foe. Supposing it's the pirate tramp we saw at Winnipeg, pronounced Hiram. Then we know our danger. They evidently are not aware that we are here. You stay on guard here. It can't be more than two miles to that campfire. I will be back soon. Going to spy on them? suggested Hiram. Yes. I will be back and report just as soon as I find out who these airmen are, responded Dave. He gave his comrade definite orders to arouse Elmer if anything suspicious occurred and to give an alarm at the tavern if help was necessary. Then Dave started out on his lonely expedition. Our hero knew nothing of the traversed route leading to Lookout Hill. Fortunately, the fire glow in the distance continued. Dave followed a regular road. A lateral path led in the direction of the hill. Arrived at its base, he made his way up one side. "'There is the campfire,' mused the young airman as he passed through a thicket on a level with a glow ahead of him. "'Ah, just in time!' 
Dave caught hold of a bush and took a downward swing. He saved himself a good hard fall, however, by clinging to the bush. The whole face of the plateau, he found, was full of treacherous pits. He proceeded slowly and cautiously now. A fringe of bushes surrounded the spot where the campfire was. Dave crept to their edge. One glance, with the radius of the dying glow of the fire, showed him an interesting picture. At one side stood a monoplane. Its dark color and a peculiar arrangement of the planes enabled our hero to recognize it at once. It is Hiram's pirate tramp machine, sure enough, reflected Dave. And the men. One of these was walking up and down in something of a rage, it seemed. Propped up against a tree trunk was a second man, clasping a bottle. This latter person was swaying as he sat. His eyes blinked. There was a vacant expression to his face. It's all right, he was saying in a maudlin state. Want to sleep? It's all wrong, you mean, raved the other man. I want to tell you one thing. I shan't lose a chance of a thousand dollars to humor a worthless, irresponsible reprobate like you. I simply won't stand it. Then <laughs> sit down, chuckled the other. Like I do. I'm through with you, cried his companion in tones of positive fury and shaking his fist at the other. I'll get the comet alone. Sleep, you loafer, and when you wake up, find your way back to Winnipeg on foot as best you can. The speaker seized the half-bottle and dashed it to pieces on the nearest rock. All right mumbled the sitter. Get some more. Bah, you wretch, shouted his comrade, and he gave the swaying, helpless man a kick that sent him onto his side with a groan. I'll make it alone, Dave heard the man mutter. The young aviator knew his bearings now. There was not the least doubt in the world that these two men were new emissaries of wise through the villain Vernon. They had been hired to locate and destroy the comet. End of chapter 14